Now broadcasting live via Ustream or downloaded directly to your mobile device. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagdon Boardcast. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Why are we friends with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't get slapped. I'm glad your mom was here. Uh, you said your parents don't listen to this. He just looked at me like, I really should I punch punch him? <laughs> It doesn't work if you're not wearing Why? a mariachi suit. Uh, we're not wearing a mariachi suit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Bag and Broadcast, episode number 131. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being, The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. But wait, are we even doing The Week in Geek? Or is it going to be merged into our main topic? That's going to be all main topic jazz. Then we go into the list, the books that we're looking forward to coming out the week of July 18th. And then remember that news we were going to bring to you in the first segment? We're bringing it to you on our main topic instead. This week we are focusing on Comic-Con, all the news and releases. Not all the news and releases, but the stuff that kind of tickles our fancy. Mm -hmm. And we have quite a bit of fancy in our beer. <laughs> oh, at least, at least it's in our beer. I was worried there for a second, Paul. I, I'm a little worried that Paul fancied into my beer while I wasn't looking. We have a lot of fancy. What we fancy a lot of is our beer. I don't know why it came out that way. It came out because of the fancy, Paul. It was. I was trying to get fancy, and that's what happens. So don't get fancy. Don't I put on shows. Can't, you can't put on ears. Uh, and this, I'm bringing you a very special treat. It was so given is, to me by a co-worker. Beer. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make it. No. Uh, this was made by Laughing Dog Breweries in Idaho for Casella Pierre It Fills Limited. I yeah. Have no idea. Right. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yes. I'd much rather say it was, was made by Laughing Dog Breweries in yes. Idaho. Uh, it's called Sneaky Pete, and it is an Imperial IPA. And this was bottled March twenty eighth, two thousand twelve. But it's an Imperial, so it should be fine, right? Should be fine. No, should be good. John, you already tasted it. What, what, what's, um, what's actually, I tasted about? it, and we've been sitting around for a little bit. It's warmed up in my glass, and at, when it when it was colder, I got a really bad bitter taste on the back of my tongue. I'm, I'm still getting a little bit more of that bitter. I'm getting a little bit like it, that it, alcohol taste. It's not a burn, but it has like that alcohol yeah, taste on it, the back of the it, tongue. It's it's mild now that it's it's warmed up a bit. It is ten percent. Um, but it does have I a. <laughs> It's got a nice like brown sugar kind of smell on the nose. Yeah, it's almost like a um, like a caramel kind of. Yeah, and I think when you smell that, you expect it to be a little bit sweeter, but there's nothing really sweet. It is a very smooth, consistent taste until you get that end of the alcoholic burn bitterness. Right, and it's right on the back of the tongue. Yeah, <laughs> it just it sits there. It, yeah, it not, does linger. It lingers. It's not bad. Yeah, it's it's a very drinkable, high alcohol IPA. Yeah, like, for how for ten percent, it's it goes out pretty smooth. Yeah, mm -hmm. and also to be an imperial IPA, this is a rare. It there's no hop punch. It's yeah, not, there's not a lot of hop. Um, I would definitely, I would, I would probably drink it again if it was a choice out there. I probably wouldn't actively look for this beer, but. I, I wouldn't have a problem drinking it again, but it's a sipping beer. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not something that you're going to... It's a slip, a sipping beer that is like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. I don't need a sip. It's okay. 
It's okay, and it just causes you to tilt it back a little bit further than you probably should. Yeah. You know? Because there's no high punch to like... Yeah, there's no there's no punch to say, hey, slow down. Yeah. It's just that... It's that alcohol at it's the back. Just, yeah, it's that bitter back that, in the back of your mouth. That's the sneaky penis. After <laughs> yeah. you drink it, you're like, whoa. <laughs> exactly. I think uh, it's very aptly named. There, yeah, there, there we go. Mm-hmm. But I... It's okay. I, I would actually try something else from mm-hmm. this brewery based off this one, like... Mm-hmm. Maybe not an imperial, but if they have just like a regular IPA or a stout, yeah, yeah. The um, there is a little bit of malty. I do get a little sweetness off of it. Yeah, you know, I think it's the, to mellow out, mellow it out. So I'd be very interested in a porter from them. Yeah, that, that alcohol, it's like yeah. right there, man. But right what else there. is right there? Well, our book's coming out July eighteenth, right, John? That's right. And uh, I'm doing something a little different. I'm actually... He's into girls now. Oh! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's all right. You can out me that way that I'm into girls. Hey, uh, um, I'm actually looking forward to the exclusive digital release of um, The Dark Knight, which has really been kind of like a Batman anthology that's only been digital. Um, the last two books have been uh, with... Uh, Ben Templesmith on on art, and they've been a lot of fun, and um, I'm really looking forward to the uh, the next one, which I believe comes out on Tuesday. So they do come out on Tuesdays. They come out why? The digital oh ones? the digital ones they, okay. they put out a different one each right. day of the week. Um, and not to throw this out there, but I was actually thinking about checking out that Ami Kami Girls, which is based off the action figure mm-hmm. statue line, because it's written by Jimmy Palmiotti. And, and art with uh, Amanda Connor. Connor. So well, it, it could be a yeah. fun book. Those two work very well together. I wonder why. I wonder, it's almost like they have yeah. a really good relationship. So, somehow, I feel like they've known each other for years. They, they've been working together for years off, uh, since the pro, right? That was yeah. their first I, like work together. I don't know if that think. was the first thing they did together, but that was one of the first things yeah. I actually remember seeing them both on. Mm-hmm. But Paul, what's the uh, book you're uh, talking about? Female comic book creators, Kelly Sue Demonic. Decormick is coming back to uh, write comic books for Marvel, and she is going to be writing Captain Marvel, starring Warbird, starring Miss Marvel. But uh, she's going to be back, and she's going to be kicking a uh, dollar sign, dollar sign, as they say on the the, uh, Marvel website. Those double dollars. Yeah, she's 100% pure bad a dollar sign, dollar sign. Now, what has Kelly Sue Demonic... I can't remember the name. I know I've seen it on comics before that I've read. Remember when I was really enjoying uh, Batgirl? Yes. She was on Batgirl. Oh, okay. At the very end. No, Supergirl. Sorry, Supergirl. With uh, When I was trying to get you guys on it. That's uh, at the end of the the, old DCU. The social networking stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was was fun. Okay. Yeah. That's why I'm like, oh, I want to give her another shot. And she was doing uh, the miniseries for Oz... Oscorp, not Oscorp, Oz, Osborne, um, was dangerous something over at Marvel. Uh, um, after the, after Secret Avengers and all the Secret Invasion stuff, and after Dark Avengers, she did a miniseries uh, with uh, Oz, Osborne. I can never remember his Norman. The last, yeah, Norman Osborne. <laughs> but I'm like Osman. No, that's the singer. Yeah, he's the. Yeah. You're being a little bit country there, yeah. Paul. Uh, no, he's yeah, he's country. No, she's country. He's rock and roll. It doesn't Who knows? matter. It doesn't matter. But um, I actually I did enjoy those Supergirl issues. Well, mm-hmm. 
And since so. I'm mostly a DC fanboy, that's where I figure out what creators I like, and then I'll follow them over to Marvel. So I'll, I'll pose this question for you. Is this a look back, or is this a bag and board bike for you? I think this will be a look back, because we all kind of enjoyed the Supergirl issues that I forced you guys to read, so I'm going to force you to read this number one also. I, I will it's gladly a number, read it. And it, it follows our you know look back criteria. Is it something new? Well, yeah, yes. it's a number one. Is it something that we all kind of were interested in? Well, I'm interested in it, and I think you should be interested in it. So, yes. <laughs> Based on the creator, I am. Not the character. Mm-hmm. I don't really care for Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, Warbird, Phot- mm-hmm. well, Photon's another one. But like well, Carol Danvers Binary as a, was also yeah. another name for her. Just, that's not a character for me, but who knows? It could just be I've been reading too much of it written by Bendis. Yeah, maybe. Quite possibly could be. So yeah, I think I think it it definitely fits into a look back book. Mm-hmm. So there we go, Chris. Um, book. My, my pick would not be a look back because this is an old standby for me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Green Lantern number eleven by uh, Jeff Johns and Doug Mankey. Um, here, that, here we go. Is that the one with the cover with the guy wearing the mask, the Green Lantern mask? No, this is the one. That's the um, zero. That's the zero, zero issue okay. coming out in September. This is um, Black Hands coming back. Mm-hmm. He's been freed from. His uh, entrapment, imprisonment, whatever you want to call it, from the, from the Indigo Tribe, um, and he's back, and he's dead, and there's a black ring that's coming to get him one more time. Um, this is where it, Green Lantern always winds up getting me because everything is just always kind of building towards something else now, mm-hmm. and I love it. I'm an event hound. Like <laughs> as soon as I like just smell it in the air, I'm like, oh man, Green Lantern's got me again. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Black Hand became a really interesting character during Blackest Night. Leading up to that, just when he was reintroduced in the pages of uh, Green Lantern with like his little arc in number, like, I think it was like five and six. So, I don't know. This is something really cool for me. Uh, I really like seeing him as an indigo and with that kind of... giving you the impression that he's kind of sorry, that he's learned his lesson, this is where he belongs now... To now see where that's going to go, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely something that really sounds cool. And I think Jeff John does a great job with him. And they made him so creepy. Yeah. You know, so I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this. It does seem cool. Well, man. Paul doesn't care. Paul, Paul's, what, Paul's, Paul's off the Green Lantern. What, what does again. Paul care about? News from Comic-Con. Oh, God. I, uh, I, what, there's one big story from Comic-Con. Yes, and I was hoping I was going to be the one to talk about this. And you will be, because I've only read, like, two trades. Three. Four. Four trades. Four trades of this book. But the original creator, well, the creator that made it a name and made Vertigo what it was, is coming back. And that is, Chris, who is it? Coming back hardcore. I was so excited when I saw this. Um, We're finally getting Neil Gaiman back on the Sandman with art by J.H. Williams III. Um, it's coming out in 2013 in time for the 25th anniversary of the first issue of Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. Um, coming back, he's going to be doing... It's going to be a limited series. It's not an ongoing... It's right. going to be a little bit more than a miniseries, but, man, I cannot wait. It is a great time to be a Vertigo fan because of everything that's kind of happening in the DCU proper now. Um touch on that more later when we talk about more comic book stuff because for me this is huge like this was the only thing that I was like that 
that's something I need to talk about and discuss because I love the Sandman series. I, uh, uh, one of the big things out of that is just like, oh, boy, that's really cool. He's going to be doing that. And then going, oh, with with Williams, uh, that's going to be awesome. I would pick I would pick up that first issue just to see the art with a great story like that because they've always had cool covers. They've always had interesting things going on in that book. The art was always kind of that that 90s kind of look to it. Um, it was nothing over the top or really that special in some cases. Um, here's the thing, though. Every artist he worked with on that book wasn't like a big-name artist. It no. was always someone different because he was trying to <clears throat> find people that had different styles, different takes that he could kind of bring in. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you there, John. Uh, it's, be- not, it's not that typical 90s. From what I've read of it, it has it kind of has that feel to me, and I haven't read all of them. I'm probably maybe five trades into it, so I've only touched the series. Okay, but I said it's always had cool covers. It's always had something different going on with it. But to me, I just kind of had that that wash kind of color look to it. But to see uh, a big name like that coming on to do these books is something that really interests me to want to really check it out. It does seem awesome. Uh, Because of what what has been happening with the DC proper, uh, to see that Vertigo is getting such a big news, and it was the lead-off news for San Diego Comic-Con. It happened on preview night. There was press releases saying, hey, everybody should be here for the Vertigo panel. Huge news for Vertigo think it's a huge win and vertigo really needs this right now because it's one thing is now yeah you know animal man is now you know they lost so many characters from their you know their roster roster and then even in uh justice league uh or dark house of mystery is now in justice league dark also announced here we have Tim Hunter from the Books of Magic, also yep. written by Neil Gaiman, joining Justice League Dark, which, which is just another thing that's like, I, I'm so glad I'm on board <laughs> with that book now, because it's the book that's being like made for me at this point. You know, I, it was in that Jeff, first issue of Jeff Lemire's written uh, Justice League Dark, and we kind of like, are they going to do it? And yes, they are. And now it's at Comic-Con. And I do want to ask this question. I know it's not comic book news, but are there other properties like Sandman, that you don't want to see make the jump, that you want to see stick strictly Vertigo? Um, Or is there any real comic book character left over at Vertigo to even make this I think your stuff like American Vampire needs to be over in Vertigo. Yeah. I mean, I could see Skinner Sweep popping up in I, Vampire, maybe, but... It doesn't really... With that It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit, yeah. And Unknown Soldiers made the switch back and forth. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other comic book, you know, character. Pretty, over at pretty much everything in Vertigo right now is its own property. I mean, like, the Fables books. Yep. Um, what was it? Scalped was... That's canceled. That's done. Northlanders is over. iZombie's done. Like, you can't do DMZ there. You can't no. do Why the Last Man. Saucer Country, that's in its own thing. Mm-hmm. Dead Wardians, that's yeah, that's its own its thing. own thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think there's anything really else. But at the same time, I'm sorry, John, you look like you're about to say something. No, but. I mean you just uh, I I don't. I mean I think most of those characters that 
were in the DCU that kind of found their place at Vertigo have now just all wandered all the uh, all the way back to to do DC, and yeah. it's great because I like like I like that that they're darker stuff, but I like that they have a darker place in the DCU to to be. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, it's it's glad I'm glad to see that, and I'm glad that they're showing those characters respect. And also, like you get like the Phantom Stranger. Like I want the Phantom Stranger to be one of those those darker books. Um, which this is actually something that I saw when I was going back doing research for episode number one twenty eight or one twenty nine, mm-hmm. whatever it was with the uh, the Batman family oh. stuff. Um, all those Vertigo books that we just kind of rattled off quick. Those are all much lower selling. Those are the yeah. books that might sell six thousand issues a month. Like, not even breaking the top 100 mm-hmm. selling. And it's good that the characters that might have been stuck down in the lower tiers of the top 300 selling books are kind of getting that boost because they have that DC imprint on mm-hmm. the top corner now. But they used to get uh, uh, raised up uh, and lifted by the trades from, yeah. from like, borders and such. Trades is... Basically, what keeps Vertigo going at this point now because everything else is now DC. Mm-hmm. More movie, uh, more Comic Con news. Just strictly comics. Anything right, let's, huge? Let's stick with the, the comics. Hulk becoming Red She Hulk, written by Parker, which I don't think we really care about. But over at Marvel, the biggest news for me: Jonathan Hickman announced before Comic Con, but more light on it. Uh, writing an Avengers book, yeah. and it's going to be bi-weekly. Yeah. Uh, I'm on it because it says Hickman. And it's going to be a different lineup uh, than all the other Avengers books, and it comes directly from what has happened in... It's going to be Uncanny Avengers, yeah. and it's going to have some more mutants on it than we're used to. Um, Meaning... Coming out, of, coming out of Comic-Con, the uh, advertisements more for the... Marvel line post Avengers versus X Men is one team wins, one team loses, everyone pays, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to be seeing that. I think it's clear who's coming out of this, which is kind of sad. Being solicitations, we know what's happening before the story's wrapped mm-hmm. up. It's bye bye Avengers, but Marvel really didn't have any big news coming in to co- or in Comic-Con because they announced everything right before, which seemed yeah. kind of weird. It's to grab headlines, and you see this be- coming uh, before E3 now, too, because everything is kind of churned up. And when we're looking at things for what came out in Comic-Con, it's easy to just be on like the third page of the comic book news websites and how are people going to find it. So let's just announce it beforehand so the fans can be excited about it, maybe think of questions and ask about it in the panels. I can completely understand. I would do that if I was a publisher of a comic book series or a comic book uh, publisher. I, that's what I would want. I would want to go to the show to talk to fans, not just announce it and then, then being like, is, yes, is, is Beast going to be on the new team of the Avengers? Like, let's actually ask, you know, relevant questions about, like, oh, you got Jonathan Hickman on this book? It's bi-weekly? Uh, how long is he going to be on the series? Is he started writing yet? It's probably a lot easier for him now that he doesn't have to do Fantastic Four or bi-weekly. Yeah, which and FF. basically do. Yeah, because yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Fantastic Four and FF is basically a bi-weekly series right now. Those books are being canceled. 
but you're going to see the Fantastic Four characters show up in these other books, and I I think that's kind of exciting because Fantastic Four <laughs> is going to be a, more of a mainstay of the Marvel Universe now that they don't have a book than when they did, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, you know, Anna, it's something like DC let you know what new books were going to be coming out. And yeah, it's a way for them to say, all right, let's talk about this or that. And I think one of the cool things out of the DC stuff was like everyone at the Batman panel getting the owl masks. Mm-hmm. And there's a cool picture of um, uh, Snyder in the talking about it and all these people around him who are, are watching him as he's doing like a DC video thing uh-huh. are all watch, wearing the masks and that's while, he's, yeah. while he's talking about it. So yeah, I think it's definitely something mm-hmm. that they should be doing to... Because I think you lose some of that with some of the other announcements. Like everyone yeah. is either talking about like the movies or some of the video games or all this. It's, it's become just as a major yeah. release thing for movies and TV shows not as much about the comic books so let that stuff get leaked before so it doesn't get lost so the fans have something to digest and then go to the panels and be excited about instead of like nobody hearing about it because we're interested in Tony Stark's new armor in, yeah. for the movie yeah exactly but way to go DC ripping off the scroll mask from a couple years ago from the conventions well they also did the V for Vendetta masks yeah. when um that movie was coming out so I'd say they were doing something they've done before. First. <laughs> First. And, First. And well. Yeah. Uh, that is kind of cool, that the owl masks, because those are creepy. Yeah. yeah and definitely. I still kind of wish none of the talents talked. Yeah. Would be creepier. I agree. It would. Um, and we have post, after the owls news, they had a whole panel with Batman and uh, basically focusing on the Joker. Is it finally time to bring him back? Because it's been a year. It, it's been a year, and he is Batman's lead rogue. Um, I'm looking forward to the return of the Joker now, mm-hmm. especially after everything that Scott Snyder was talking about during the panel, where before, when he went after like Robin, mm-hmm. it was to get to Batman. When he took out Barbara Gordon, it was to get to Commissioner Gordon. Now he's going after people to go after them, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool it's not like a oh i'm trying to get to you psych- like psychologically it's like no i'm i'm gunning for you because of who you are mm-hmm. which is a little bit more threatening i think so too yeah. uh joker is played like so many different ways it's <clears throat> and you kind of want him always as a force of nature just that chaotic force of whatever i can do i'm going to do because i'm joker but to have him kind of gunning for people kind of makes him a little bit more dangerous, I think, than just like that, I'm just trying to get to you. I, and I mean, there's been so many different incarnations <laughs> of the Joker. As soon as you realize what type you're, of Joker you're getting, you can get behind what story it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And to know that this is what you're going to get, you're like, all right, let's sit down and watch this ride. Let's, let's, let's go. This is going to be something interesting. And that's the thing that works about the Joker, too, is if you have Batman written one way in one comic book mm-hmm. and then written a completely different way in a different book, different issue, no, this, is, this isn't Batman. But we're okay but with, with it. But with the Joker, 
it, it works. Like mm-hmm. it, it makes sense, and that's a freedom that they're allowed. That I'm, I'm glad it's coming back. It's been a year. Like I'm cool with it. Last really awesome Joker story I read was the uh, Joker hardcover by Brian Azzarello and uh, what was his name, Lieber Mijo. Is that the, that's the one that kind of follows the thug that's... Dead, like, is there to pick him up when he gets out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, w- that was, it was really good. And I think they're allowing themselves to be that edgy now with DC Comics, you know, mainstay, instead of, like, having that separated out to a graphic novel only. We're going to be able to see that harder, edgier Joker. And I think Scott Snyder is that kind of writer to bring it. No, uh, which I'm excited for just because we're now a Batman podcast almost. <laughs> I mean, everyone here is buying at least like a couple Batman books. Mm-hmm. Or Bat Family books. Bat yes. Family books. I mean, we're, we're there. It's got us hooked now. Um, something that it hasn't hooked on. Mm-hmm. Um, announced also at Comic-Con. And it wasn't really announced, but it was more a question that was like, Oh no! Here's what's happening. Uh, Stephanie Brown not appearing in Smallville comic book. Ah, uh, not not. They they have decided to go with Barbara Gordon portraying well, Nightwing instead. Nightwing? Yeah. Huh. Well, that that's how it was before. It was going to be Stephanie Brown as Nightwing. Weird. But now it's Barbara Gordon in that role, playing. It, it's still basically a Robin role, but yeah. Right. That's weird. Yeah. It it, but it. I actually had uh, one of my other friends contact me and ask me, like, oh, are you sad about that? And it's like, no, I wasn't going to be buying that book anyways. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's a crummy spinoff book based off of a crummy TV show that I stopped watching years ago. Mm-hmm. And if the fact that they can just recolor the hair from blonde to red mm-hmm. and change the character's name to make it Barbara Gordon, yeah. that, that wasn't what, Stephanie yeah, Brown what? to begin with. Yeah, so what am I missing out on? It doesn't, if they're not going to have the essence of the character or anything that can lie true about that character then it's not that character you know it's just an, an outfit and what does yeah. it say about barbara gordon that you could just switch out that character she, barbara gordon sells books though that's the thing yeah but uh, what, does she sell smallville comic books here's the, here's the thing as soon as they announced like hey you're finally gonna get batman in smallville that was that was big news that mm-hmm. was something that they put out before comic-con mm-hmm most likely because of how solicitations work. Like, it had to yeah. be in the pages of previews anyways. But that was big news because it was like, wow, hey, this is something they talked about for years on Smallville, right from when the series started. First mm-hmm. season, they were talking yeah. like, oh, Bruce Wayne is probably going to show up. And then when we got that Adam Knight character that was played, and he was a darker character, and uh, we thought, oh, Adam, Adam West, Knight, the Dark Knight... It's Batman on Smallville, and then turned. They kind of like pulled the rug underneath it, and like had him just be another kind of character that just got yeah. killed off. Yeah. But pe- you know, when those three episodes were airing, like during that time frame, up until that third episode, people were like, "It's that has to be Batman." Oh my goodness, it's Batman. There was fans of Smallville feverish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not not to move this over to like TV news because it still kind of ties into comic book TV shows. Uh, more stuff about Arrow came out, and early reviews of it are actually really good. Uh, I, I think I think you had mentioned it before, but at the Comic Con thing, they had like the Green Arrow, the Arrow suit, mm-hmm. but then next to it is a tattered 
Deathstroke mask, <laughs> which was kind of like, all right, we know he's going to be in there, and it's the it's the black with uh-huh. the, the orange, like it it it's going to be him. It's not like in the, the the Teen Titans cartoon when he had like the black mask with like the red on it. It was supposed to be Deathstroke. It was still pretty close. I mean, they couldn't call him Deathstroke. They called him Slade. Because yeah. of the 17, or Y7 rating, yeah. you can't say kill or death, apparently. So they have to say stuff like, I will destroy you, or I will end you. Yeah. But it, for all intents and purposes, it was still Yeah, yeah that was Deathstroke. Yeah. It's Slade. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Arrow. Uh, I am, too. It, it's definitely something I want to check out. Um kind of small press news this is something that excited me a little bit because i love comic books mm-hmm. i love music paul you love becky clunan i do love becky well Clunin. what happens when you combine all that stuff you have her hanging out at a punk rock concert no you get um danger days the fabulous lives of the killjoys which is the my chemical romance cd came out two years ago now mm-hmm. um it's another concept album from them um, but we're finally getting a comic book written by Gerard Way, who huh. you might know from Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. um, with art by Becky Cloonan. This is something that they were talking about for a while. Uh, she actually mentioned it when we saw her at the uh, Boston Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, that's so awesome. I would totally pick that up. And here we are getting it sometime in 2013. Uh, yeah, that's that's the first I'm like, I remember her briefly talking about that, but... I rem- yeah, that's definitely something I want to check out. I'm a, a fan of her artwork work. Really so after um, the Conan stuff is really when yeah. I was like, wow, like I really like her stuff. But when you handed me Umbrella Academy, I was just like, this is this is great. This is exactly the kind of book that I like. So I wanna I would definitely see something with the two of those paired yeah. together. Gerard Way gets a lot of crap. I mean, people don't like my chemical romance because they get lumped into that emo, pop punky like I, it's cool to hate that music. I'm I'm fun with it. Like it's cool. Um, and this is a dude that loves comic books. Mm-hmm. He's like best friends with Grant Morrison. He interned at DC Comics in school. He was developing a TV show for Cartoon Network. Like this is a guy who is doing what he loves, and it's not a vanity project for him. He, he he's a guy that loves comic books. <coughs> and. I love Becky Clunan's art, so it's kind of cool. It's sketchy, it's fun, it's raw, it's, you know, it's very, per- you know, people are people. They're not yeah. over-exaggerated. So it would be fun to see that kind of non-over-exaggerated art with a very over-exaggerated writer. Yeah. Especially from, like, the yeah. Umbrella Academy, yeah. where everything was, like, way over the top. Like, talky monkey, and people traveling from the future to the past, and now being... A small baby, but as 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 much as like over the top that is, it, it still had just really good writing behind it, a great ideas, like the whole just the time concept and everything was was really interesting, really well done. So if this is over the top or if it's a little more grounded, mm-hmm. I think either or, I think you're going to get something that's going to be really really good, and it has somebody's like heart into it it's something that they really want to do and I, their passion I, I did enjoy just kind of that idea behind Umbrella Academy 2 where it's like hey here's this group of kids with superpowers where are they 20 years later it's like okay what if Power Pack yeah like you, you see them two decades from now it's like how messed up are those kids going to be right 
one of them's going to have their head on a monkey's body. Like, it could be any, you know, it, it would be interesting. Well, we got that in Runaways a little bit with oh, Power Pack growing up. A little bit. With the, yeah. Um, also, funny that you mentioned that. Uh, Runaways, another book that was brought up at one of the Marvel panels. Mm-hmm. And currently, no plans. No but plans. they did mention that, well, just so you know, I mean, there's no Runaways appearing in any other books right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could be, like, there's plans for them. Or those or characters are just off the table. Off the table because they are waiting for something good to come along. But I think that just shows that, no, these are characters that we don't want to just keep putting out there because mm-hmm. they do have a following. Yeah. It's one of those announcements that I was waiting for to happen, and I checked all the Marvel panel stuff just to see, because we got Neil Gaiman back writing Sandman, yeah. <laughs> and we know that Brian K. Vaughn is writing Saga. He's back writing comic books. Could he's he only back? He's only writing one comic book. We I know the guy can handle up to like three or four. Exactly. So I'm like, is he going to re- come back to Runaways? No. He's already. He, I know he said in the past that you know he told his story with Runaways. He doesn't. He he gave those characters up to Marvel to then have other people run with it, and uh, that is sad for me. Yeah, because I want him to come back. Um, I know that X Factor, the. Peter David came back to write those books, the X Factor <laughs> books, and uh, it is kind of wrapping up uh, pretty soon. Are they? Um, is it done, or are they I'm, just? I'm pretty sure it's uh, wrapping up because all those he's they came out and somebody asked at a panel, and apparently issues 241 through 245 will tie up all the loose ends from all the story bits that kind of got left hanging up in the air from all those tie-in books that they had to write. Uh, will kind of be wrapped up in those four issues, and it's called Breaking Points, I believe, uh, that arc. So there will probably be my answers. And finally, my jumping off point with Breaking Point. Uh, if not, if it doesn't end, I'll, I'll probably say goodbye to this book because I am picking it up more for, you know, that comic book nerdum of, well, it's out, so I've got to pick yeah. it up. Yeah. Uh, do you think that book would have done better if they'd left it out of the X-verse and all those big um, all the big mishmash that they had to do do you think it would have been better if Peter David was just allowed to tell the story he wanted to tell with them nobody would read it other than me you know you you look at the sales numbers for it and it jumps when it's the tie-in and yeah it doesn't pick up any new readership after that tie-in and it kind of loses readership so maybe it would have stayed at a steady pace with him just writing and maybe the yes, that would be better, or is it better to sell fifty issues and then one issue, or you know five issues every single week for ten weeks, or is it better to sell fifty issues all in one week and then two issues for the next twenty weeks or you know nine weeks? You know you're selling more issues one way versus the other. Mm. So for the publisher, it's better to do all yeah. those tie-ins because it moves more of those books. And was it better for the writer to move all those books? I think so. Is it better for the fan of the book, of what they were doing? No, but... Because a lot of those points is when most people drop, unlike Paul, who's just that faithful, like, it's finally getting back. And it I'm get really back. looking forward to this one. I think this is where it's all going to turn around. I mean, they've just gotten back from hell because whoever wrote that thing, they sent them to hell, and then they, added, they did this with that one character. Now they're back. They don't have that crazy power that they got during the thing. 
So now it's back, and we're finally going to get that. They're starting another miniseries. Oh. <laughs> the reason why you guys don't hear about the times that it's good is because it's not going to be a look-back issue. Because there's, you guys aren't interested in it, and we weren't doing Bagnum Board Bites. Okay. <laughs> if we were doing Bagnum Board Bites during the whole rigmarole, you would have heard, oh, see, this is the issue that I wanted to read, and here it is. It's back to being, you know, that kind of offbeat, crazy uh, private detective thing. But now that Tavik and Polaris are on the team, and Havoc and Polaris are no longer going to be on the team again after the shakeup, because Havoc's going to be in Uncanny Avengers. Another reason for me to read that book. Uh, <laughs> we would have seen that it's been better than what I have made it out to be on this podcast. And it's Peter David. He's, he's got writing chops. He does. He's really good. He does. Are, are we set for comics? Is there anything else anyone wants to ask? Are we going to go into movies? Yeah, I can. I'm totally yeah. down for the movies. Let's go to the movies. All right. Um, At the, the big screen. So. Comic-Con, like you said, it's more about movies and other releases than it is the comic books now. Especially when it comes to comic book movies, <laughs> it appears. Um, I think kind of the big movie stuff coming out of this is we've got some teaser footage from movies coming out, as well as new titles for some. And I was not able to find any of those like teaser like reels online. I did There's two that looking. we want to see. There's... um. Two that I want to see. There's three that I want to see. Okay. But, um... Well, when, what are those ones? Uh, first one I wanted to see was Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. That's yes. my number two. That, that's the one that, more than anything else, I really wanted to see. As soon as I read online that it was official, it was shown, I was trying to track it down, and I could not. Um, hopefully, when this weekend's over, it will be up online somewhere. And I think Marvel said that that is going to be part of their phase two. Hmm. That in... Guardians, Guardians of, the of the Galaxy. Galaxy. Which, did you guys see the concept poster art? Yeah. Like, it does look cool. It, it looks very cool. It's definitely more based off of the current, I don't even know if it's being published, but the uh, Dad Abnett and Andy Lanning mm-hmm. stuff, which yeah. I've heard really good things about. I just never checked out. But this could be cool. I mean, we're heading more towards that cosmic Marvel universe with Thanos being introduced, that uh, credit scene for Avengers. So... This is something I would probably watch. Yeah. I mean, I know we're going to see it anyways, right. but like, it's one that I'm just, I'm not going to be dragged to see. It's like, oh yeah, this could this could be cool. Um, do you want it live action or animated? Oh, live action. Live action. I think they could do it really well. And okay, your other two. Um, my other two, I want to see that Superman footage. I yeah, I want to check that out. Um, That's I'm, my number one. I'm looking forward to the Superman movie. Um, they showed a new uh, teaser poster, I guess I should call it. It's not really a teaser poster because we've already seen the costume before, yeah. but it's more of a close-up look at it. Um, I'm look. I'm looking forward to that movie. Uh, I am too. I actually saw it's somebody recording it at that thing from a distance, but you get a really good voiceovers and you see some... You get to see something, you know, something's going on in that. Um, the third one I want to see is that Iron Man footage, which confirms that the Mandarin is the villain. He's got mm-hmm. ten rings, played by Sir Ben Kingsley. And uh, Guy Pierce also the villain, uh, yeah. a villain in that. See, Ben Kingsley being the Mandarin totally throws off the whole theory about that one guy that shows up with the scar on his face being 
the yeah. Mandarin. Unless the Mandarin leader. takes that ring from him, or he's, he's the leader, real leader of that group. Of the Ten Rings. Yeah. It, and also, hey, we're heading in towards that cosmic stuff. They could possibly work in the Ten Rings being alien technology at this point. Yeah. We, we've yeah. already got the Tesseract. Mm-hmm. It's it's no longer as out there as it would have been in Iron Man One. From um, from a review I I saw of um, Iron Man Three, the guy said there's a, a lot of um, dialogue between Happy and Tony Stark, and one of them is um, that his mother's really shooken up after that giant worm through flew past her apartment. So they're bringing in things that happened in the Avengers into into those movies. Oh, I thought it might have been a reference for Ping Fang Foom. Uh, but no, it's more of a Avengers, Avengers reference. reference. Yeah, because that was a giant worm too. So did Chris? Yeah, those are the, yeah, the, the especially the just because now I'm nervous about Superman because the teaser poster was or the poster was released. Is it because the textured my costume? No, it's just because it's all black and gray. I'm like, really? We got to make a dark Superman movie? It's, it's a darker blue. It's... Okay, well, well it, colorblind. It's, it's so different compared it's to not. the image we saw before of him in the Superman costume, which is... It's a darker blue, but it's not as dark as that. Like, Paul just brought it up on his computer. And That's blue? That now. Is, is that blue? It's, it's a very... It's a darker... And it's, maybe. it's a it shadowy picture. Yeah, he he's in shadow right there. And then the picture that they are, you know, that's been out forever uh, now of him like breaking through a vault and maybe that, a tank shell. That one does have more around. of a blue pop to it. Yeah, a little bit more blue, but yeah, it's a very. It's same thing, like the red's more blue. noticeable on it as well. I, I say it's not too far off from what they had in the Superman Returns movie. Yeah, it's just uh, he looks very Cro-Magnum. Also, you know, really kind of big guy, but people were kind of saying that they want a more action Superman, a bigger you know, more muscular Superman than Brandon Rouse, so I guess this is it. Do I do I want it? I don't know. That's why I kind of, this is one that I want to see more teaser trailers to see if I want to see this movie. See, I'm, like, I'm not a Superman fan. Mm-hmm. I do want a good Superman movie, though. I want okay. something that makes me be like, man, okay, this is why everyone likes Superman. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's actually had that yet. I've never understood. Like I, to me, Superman's always been that just that Boy Scout thing. Mm-hmm. It's a good Superman thing that we've all talked about. Are hard, you know. They're far and, and hard, you know. They're few uh, and far between. Thank you. <laughs> the and good they're Superman hard, stories. Hard to come by. I was trying to say all that in <laughs> one sentence. Didn't work. Shame. It happens. Hey, shame. It happens. Shame. But. To to get something that is really good out of that, I mean, it's everybody knows Superman, but I don't know why some of those people, like producer Scott, crazy about Superman. I don't. He can't even explain what it is about Superman that he loves so much. He says he always does the right thing. People like, and this is not just talking about comic fans, but just your general populace. They like Superman as the icon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. People are when uh, Earth One Superman was coming out and he was wearing a hood. People on Facebook were going crazy because why are they making him an edgier person? Super, you shouldn't change Superman like that. And I'm like, how? When was the last time you bought a Superman comic book or yeah. bought anything Superman? How do you know he's more edgy? It's that guy with the Superman mud flaps. He's, yeah, 
he probably has never read a Superman comic book. Or those people you see with like the camouflage uh, Superman T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned this. They to only our... sell them in a small. It's so weird. <laughs> you look so bizarre. Them small. <laughs> people do look so weird in that. It's like they shrink automatically. I'm sure they didn't buy that shirt that small. It must be made out of really bad fabric. Must be uh, Kryptonian fabric that oh. just sinks into people's bodies. Those are the people that wear those shirts. They are. They are those people. Sorry. No, um, this is something I was actually talking to our friend Aaron over at Confessions of a Movie Snob about. Is just there's that line in the sand. Like people will go watch the movies, see the TV shows, but you suggest they read the comic book, or you ask them if they've read the comic book, and it's like you're putting them down. I had someone I saw one day, and he had "Why So Serious" tattooed on his arm, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, you're a Batman fan?" He was like. Yeah, I was like, "Have you been reading the Scott Snyder Batman run? It's so good." And he's like, "No." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you have a fucking Batman tattoo, and you're gonna look down at me, and you're gonna be like, no, why would I read a comic book? It says why so serious on your arm, dude. Get <laughs> get fucking over yourself.' Right. Yeah, that that's bizarre. Like having a total love for something, but not having a total love for something. <laughs> and, you know, like Chris and I were talking about. So we're gonna do the midnight showing for Batman. I'm like, it's like, uh, yeah, it's three hours long. Well, I'll have a Mountain Dew before I go. Like, it's like that hemming and hawing because as Batman fans, you do want to go to that midnight show. And then I'm like, I'm 30 years old. Yeah. Like everyone there is half my age. <laughs> There's gonna be people there <laughs> older than you or right, people our right, age. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah. when we went to see Avengers, it was a lot more younger people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like, well, what do I have to work in the morning? Like, there's a lot of factoring in, but at the same time, I love Batman. We've mm-hmm. become a Batman podcast. And it's like, all right, I do want to see it in the midnight show. Like, I do want to do that. I do want to live as a Batman fan. I wear the T-shirt. I have, you know, I read the book. Chris has got the sunglasses. <laughs> you yeah, know, dude, there's, there's, if you don't go, just think, there's going to be someone there who has never picked up a Batman comic book that's going to be seeing it before you. Right, they're, they're taking my seat? They're taking your seat. You you owe it to Batman. I see, but they don't take away from my pleasure of when I go see it, because I am not going to go see them in I show, because I can, my t- eyes are too tired. <laughs> I can't follow the action. Excuse me. And we're talking about this because, yes, this Friday, Batman The Dark Knight Rises opens up, so I'm sorry, this is supposed to be all, you know, comic book, comic-con news but this is kind of important to get out there too it did batman dark knight rises does have that presence at oh yeah presence Com- at comic-con yeah and the thing is i am it's not an old thing it is it is a thing where i've tried midnight showings recently and my eyes just cannot follow the action anymore like it all just becomes a blur and I miss parts of the movie, and I'm tired, and I'm kind of get cranky and grumpy. <laughs> and then I take it out on the movie. Yeah. And there's no reason. I spent twelve bucks. I know. I'll wait and, t- and spend ten bucks when I'm ready to see the movie. It's not going anywhere. It will make its money, and other people seeing it first will not take away from my enjoyment of seeing it later. And that's, that's it's my true. Point. But as for me as that fan, it said. I need to. I need to see it first. Like I, ah, I have to be there. Yeah, and I, I haven't had that in 
years. It's been it's been years since I've seen a midnight show. We uh, Chris and I went to see the Avengers that way, and I thought I was going to be the same way as you, but mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, eyes just glued to the screen, like, oh my god, it's so great. And then it was like, it's over, it's three. I don't want to go to sleep. Let's. I'm so pumped. See, and during that Avengers movie, when I was watching it later, I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't go to it at the midnight <laughs> showing because this part. It's kind of dragging on and a little long for me. And if I was at a midnight showing, I'd be completely miserable right now. I'd be looking at the exit. I don't know. I, I'm still a fan of the midnight showings for movies that I want to see because there's nothing better than that next morning just talking to someone about it. Like, oh, have you seen it yet? Yeah. Hey, me too. It, it's Nobody I work with is going to see this. <laughs> Nobody I'm going to run into on Friday other than you two. Are going to see this movie before I will, you know, on that on Thursday night going into Friday, and that's why I'm not worried about seeing. Paul travels with an older crowd. (laughs) I do. I work with a much older crowd, and I have an old beer, old favorite beer of mine that we're going to crack open. I think right now, an Edmunds Fitzgerald from Great Lakes Brewery Company out of Ohio. Oh, the land of Cleve. (laughs) Yes. and this is a nice handcrafted porter, because it says a handcrafted porter on the bottle. And this is a porter that never truly disappoints. And right now, that's exactly what I was looking for. I wanted a porter, but I'm so afraid right now here in Buffalo to pick up anything out of consu- you know, our local beer shops that I normally frequent to get my beer. Because all the porters that I've gotten have turned. They're just old or stale. But luckily, like for whatever reason, Great Lakes Brewery, they keep it fresh. I think Great Lakes, they're they're not a big brewery, but they yeah. have a pretty decent following around here. I think they're one of those breweries that if you're trying to get into microbrews or you're trying to get someone into microbrews, you can grab a Great Lakes because they do put out quality beers. Yeah, uh, for the most part, I, a lot of some of their beers are hit yeah. or miss with me, but. Um, this is one, like, when I was a big porter drinker, I used to love the Otter Creek stovepipe. And then I had oh, this. Oh, I actually like the stovepipe, so. Mm-hmm. And then I had this, and I go, all right, this is my porter. Like, if anyone ever asks, what's your favorite porter? I'm like, well, I can always say this. And I can always go, like, no, you drink this and tell me it's yeah. not great. And it is. So I, I think, like, people realize that, and it's constantly being pulled off the shelf. So I think you're never really in danger in this area of getting one that's been on the shelf a little bit too long. Yeah. This one does have a nice caramel kind of flavor to it. Smoky though, still, uh, it does get a little bit, um, you know, have a weird taste at the end. Uh, not metallic or anything, just syrupy, just a little syrupy at the end. Um, but overall, a really decent porter. Nothing to write the soldiers about, but... You, you write them about the Christmas ale. Yeah, from Great yes. Lakes. That's Which I cannot wait for it to get, get to October, November, so I can grab that again, because it was uh, so good. This beer is good till um, October 30th, they say. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think that it's pretty recently brewed. Yeah, but honestly, with that by sale date like sometimes i get it and it's like two months beforehand but it still it's turned because it's not kept right here yeah. it's just so but depressing we i think one of the things is we're pretty lucky enough to have like uh, a our, one of our, a grocery store out this way that has a pretty good beer selection which you know those beers are kept pretty much at a constant temperature yeah and for the most part are switched out 
fairly regularly. We we know one of the guys who works for the distributor in this area too, and I'll see him in that beer yeah. section because they are pulling stuff off the shelf. So I, I, he he goes to all of his stores like three or four times to make sure things are stacked, to pull things forward, and to mm-hmm. do that. Um, so you you know you know that things are being kept at the right temperature. And another a place that just opened up too is have people that are taking really good care of their beer. And there's some places like you know we've mentioned before consumers that on on some occasions, yeah, it's not being taken care of properly. I feel like not to talk the more about this. Like <laughs> it's going to become a review of uh, where to buy beers, where to buy beers. But I feel consumers, they're just there to sell the beers. They're not going to sit there and talk to you about them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other place, John, you were talking about was probably Village Beer Merchant. No, I was talking about Premier. Okay, Premier. Premier. Well, it's Premier. It's a Premier Gourmet. It's Gourmet. Like they, yeah. that's what they're there for. It's all like higher end cheeses, like wines, liquors. Like they, that's what they're there for. Um, Village Beer Merchant. Those are guys that they love beer. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to do what they can to keep stuff fresh and sell the stuff that they want to get into people's hands. I mean, if you if you work at a beer if you are working at a beer place, you want to give somebody a great beer that they're going to want to come back to your store and say, "Hey, I I had the beer you recommended. What else?" And I think that's one of the things that we love about like Don's Atomic Comics is he says, "Hey, I see you've been picking up this. Have you tried this book?" And sometimes you pick it up, and a lot of times he goes, "Hey, you don't like it? Bring it back." Yep. Like, we'll switch it out. Like, and that's I mean that's a great thing. Do you have when you're pushing comic books or you're pushing, you know, beer? You don't always get that when people are promoting movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you definitely don't. But, but you you can't always judge a book by the cover. But can you judge the movie by the title? Apparently, Marvel thinks you can. So they've retitled some of their movies. Uh, so Captain America Two is now going to be called Captain America Winter Soldier. I'm already judging that movie because of the title. I hope Brubaker knew about this. He, and we talked about about this before the show. He did not. He found out at the same time as everyone else because uh, some, someone sent him a link to it on Twitter. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, check this out. And then he just replied back, holy shit. <laughs> like, he found out basically when we did. And it's something that it was it was set up, I think, in... Captain America, the first Avenger, that they're definitely going to be doing stuff with Bucky, and, and why not? It's a, He's a great foe for, for Captain America, because people are like, I'm Baron Zemo! Like, they, they could do Baron Zemo. I feel like it'd be too close to what they had with Red Skull, but... Yeah. You know, and it's, I think you still haven't, even as crazy as things have gotten, like, you're not, you know, you're not going to see... You might see Modak, but you're not going to have the giant head floating around with little legs. You might see a character that, in you know, in some way is a. If they bring Thanos out, he can bring out Modak. I was going to say, I'm I'm hoping someday to actually see Modak. Yeah. Like even if, if it's just gonna... for like a second, like at the beginning, where like he's the villain that Captain America is taking out, mm-hmm. and then like he gets his photo snapped and it moves along in the story. Like just for that kind of like. No, this is a real guy. If you have Rocket Raccoon, 
you can have Modoc. That's that's what but I'm most looking is, forward to. In Guardians. Yeah, me too. I want to see how they do Rocket Raccoon. Uh, but this that is that next wave, and that's <clears throat> I think is out there as they might get with like the Mandarin coming mm-hmm. in for Iron Man three. That's a third property. You can get a little crazy with it. Like, is it? I I, I don't think like. Thor, you can get a little crazy because you have the the Asgard kind of stuff. And talking about Thor, it, it's been Thor Two is now named uh, Thor: The Dark World, which I think we're going to be seeing more of the different realms. Yeah, I think that we're going to be going maybe to like Jotheim or mm-hmm. one of the other ones. That's the only other one that really ever gets discussed. I'm just a little afraid that Marvel is already writing checks off of them. Like we had two seconds of Thanos. At the end of the movie, you know, or mid-credits of the movie, they're writing checks like that has already passed the mustard for the co- for the comic book movie going populous. Like, oh no, Thanos is totally legit, and we totally did it. Look at look at how much money we got from Avengers. We can go ape shit. We can have Guardians of the Galaxy and have Rocket Raccoon. Like, well, even even the bricks maybe those, a little. <laughs> those people that might not have stuck around uh-huh. to see Thanos or who don't know who Thanos is. You do have just that otherworldly, like, outer space presence whenever they cut to, I, I don't know the characters' names or anything, but when they were talking about the invasion with Loki. Right. Those are it's the all very, ultimate it's, tho- uh, skulls. Yeah, the Chithari. Yeah. It, it's all very spacey. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they kind of went that route, okay, it's not too far away from that to get to Thanos, the Guardians, the right. Infinity Gauntlet, which... They've already made. We've seen it. I'm surprised mm-hmm. we didn't see it in Avengers, honestly. Yeah, but nobody needs to know what that is yet. Yeah, you but know? we we might in Thor, right? You know, that's that's not that far off. Like, okay, they could work that in now. Mm-hmm. I, I I think Guardians of the Galaxy, and with that poster, it looks like it's it looks like it's going to be cool. But it's a surprise that that's. With all the properties they could go, that's where they're going to go with. They, but I think I think it's kind of like that, testing the waters to see what else that they can get away with. Because if that kind of flops, it's like eh, it's characters nobody knew about. Mm-hmm. And then you know you play something more a little more conservative, because the other names that are out there, you know, Daredevil, it's not with them. Oh. Fantastic Four, okay. that's where it's I was not. Go. It's yeah, not with them. X Men, um, Spider Man, that those those other big names, not not their properties. Uh, you know, they have Punisher. I doubt they're going to be making another Punisher anytime soon. Well, the th- thing is too with Guardians of the Galaxy, they can make it very accessible with Nova. Yeah, they can use Nova to kind of shoot you into the outer space stuff. How sad and is it going to be when Nova is a better Green Lantern character in a movie than Green Lantern was? was. That's, that's what I was going to say. They could Green Lantern it and have him be like that kind of point of reference character. Like, okay, no, yeah. we're along with him introducing us to that cosmic stuff. I, I, I would be worried with Green Lantern not doing as successfully as they might want. And even like John Carter, like those movies did not do as big as they had thought, and they spent right. a lot of money on those. John Carter had a lot of things going up against it. It was released at a weird time in January. Not a big time for movies. 
It was also renamed three different times from John Carter of Mars to John Carter and uh, and then JC. It was like just being well, that, branded. That was as, just the branding right, for the it. The branding of it as just JC, even though it was still John Carter. Nobody knew what that movie was. Like, even with the previews, but, people yeah. didn't know what the movie was. We're comic book guys. Has any of us read any Guardian of the Galaxies? I I have previously, like back in the 90s, but not yeah. any of the current. But I've wanted to, but I'm not that cosmic guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not Marvel cosmic So guy. it's yeah. still, it's something that people aren't really in the know about. You know, if we have a brief idea, a little idea of what it is, I, yeah, I, but look at the success that you can garner and the talk that you can garner from cutting a preview like they did with Watchmen, where people are like, oh, this looks like the next cool superhero movie from Zack Snyder, versus what people, what we got from John Carter, where it didn't look like we knew what was happening in it. Like, there were alien, there were these weird alien creatures, and there was this guy with a shirt off that looked kind of like Tarzan. And here's the thing, he I, is Tarzan. I wanted to see John Carter... Just that time of year, I I didn't go to the movies at all. I yeah. still haven't seen it. I want to. It just it never happened for me. March release versus a January release, and I really hope it was a January release. Now. It was somewhere around there. I don't think it was maybe, a Christmas day. Maybe February, but no, I, um, yeah, it was later than that. It's oh, I, I completely just blanked out on where I wanted to go because I did have stuff kind of queued up in the in the thought balloons there. The brain pan. It was it was all there in the brain pan. Oh, um, it was March. It was March 9th. Okay. Yeah, so. I, th- I think Guardians could do well. I mean, just because John Carter didn't do well and Disney didn't know how to promote that from the beginning because when they were calling it John Carter of Mars, it was alienating female viewers because as soon as you throw space in a new movie, they're kind of like, eh. Just calling it John Carter threw off the male viewers because it's like, who the fuck's John Carter? It, it It's just tough to market something like that. Guardians of the Galaxy? Okay. You know exactly what you're getting. You know yeah. exactly how you have to market it. And they know who they're marketing it, it to. Here's the thing. They can do some really cool stuff with that. Mm-hmm. And it could work better than Green Lantern did. Because that seemed to be more focused on, hey, Ryan Reynolds is a superhero. Mm-hmm. Than anything else. And Ryan Reynolds was named last, the year before the sexiest man alive like so they were and i think they played up the ryan reynolds aspect of green lantern a little too much yeah I, that's something the wb or the warner brothers yeah always do is they don't market the movie or the characters but the actors because mm-hmm. the same thing with uh john or uh john constantine or constantine yeah mm-hmm. is they promoted it as a keanu reeves movie not yeah what it should be, not a and, like Sean Constantine movie. And you, you might be a little like hesitant to because it's like, oh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. No one knows what that is. People, when they announced Iron Man, were kind of like, oh, Iron Man. How how is that going to go over for him? It's mm-hmm. it's Iron Man. It's a third tier character. And here we are now, where it's like, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Like he's just living it up. Like he has become that character. Uh, he's, he called himself the king of Comic Con all weekend. Like I, I think Guardians can do well, especially with Disney wanting these movies to represent the whole Marvel universe that they just sank millions upon millions upon millions of dollars into bringing on mm-hmm. board. They want these to do well. They need them to. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's a, a test in the waters to bring those other characters, and even like even Ant Man. Yep. And Ant Man, you can do you can do something with Ant Man, and then you can also you could have him appear in the next Avengers. Especially the fact that you have someone like Edgar Wright kind of doing that. Like as soon as you say Edgar Wright, Ant Man is like okay, that makes sense. And and his take on stuff, even. Um, Hot Fuzz? No. Shaun of the Dead? No. Scott Pilgrim? Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. I was with my sister the other day. We were we were hanging out, and she's like, we were flipping through to like what to watch. And she's like, there's this movie, but I don't think so. I'm like, Scott Pilgrim's great. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And we watched it, and she loved it. She's like, yeah. I would get that on DVD. Like, I'm, I'm glad I can watch this at any time, because it's up on this instant watch for me to watch. I was like, yeah. It's it is great. really good. Also, at Comic-Con, we got the teaser poster for Edgar Wright and... Um, uh, wow, Simon Pegg. Simon Pe- yeah, I was going to say Sean. I was like, no, he's not actually Sean. <laughs> Frost, Simon, Simon Pegg's uh, new movie, The End of the World, which is going to be their sci-fi movie that they're doing now instead of Paul because they didn't do those. Talk about that yeah, last we- week. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of excited for The End of the World, you know? Um, kind of going off the whole Disney doing movie stuff. Um, Teaser trailer. uh, Before we get uh, past that, uh, end of the world. Anybody playing Daisy? Or Z-Day? I see a lot of talk on it uh, about it on Twitter. Oh, wait, World War Z? Yeah, but it's like the spin-off of that, like and it's a, like a social media game or no, something. No, I haven't seen. No. Or it's I don't know, it's on the internet. It's like Daisy or Z-Day, uh, and people talk about it. Oh, well, I died in a car crash on Daisy or Z Day, you know, because they no, let I, some homeless person drive. I, I haven't seen this, but I and I they can check them. that out now because yeah. it sounds kind of cool. It, it's I think it ties into the whole World War Z, which World War Z um having lots of problems. Yeah, Damon Lindelof was actually brought on to kind of help along with the script, and he was like, "I I can't do this. This thing needs months of work. Uh, so don't expect that one anytime soon." Yeah, because. Like the end of Lost proves, David David Lindelof doesn't Damon. like Damon Lindelof doesn't like doing work. I I, I enjoyed the end of <laughs> Paul, Lost. Paul did that, and he had this great shit eating grin on his face. It's like Paul, Paul didn't watch any of Lost except for like the beginning of it. So and the end. I lost. Yeah, you, I watched okay. the last episode. Yeah, you watched the last episode, and uh, and hope for the best. No, you can't do that with Lost. It no, works. no, I, that's how I do my book reports in high school, and that's how I watch television shows. Um, if anyone, you would think anyone who would really like Lost as much as us, it would be Paul. Like, time, Paul it has would time get, travel. It has get crazy into great the, character the, dynamics. It, it is cool. It's it's better than taking a sleeping aid. It's awesome. Oh, Paul. Oh. But as I was trying to segue before, talking about Disney and well, movies you coming out. are happy to hear about Daisy. I, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. I want to check it out. But Disney. Disney movies, they're doing... Um, we are getting the Oz prequel from Sam Raimi. They showed off the uh, teaser trailer for this, starring James Franco, uh, the Great and Powerful. Hmm. I I'm really looking forward to this movie now. Uh, yeah, it it looks great, and I actually had somebody that I usually talk movies with at work come up and go. It was the day. It was like Friday. It was the day after like they they showed it on Thursday, and he's like, hey, "You see this? You see this trailer for that?" I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "It's about time somebody does that." I, I've never read any of the uh, Frank L. Baum books. I 
just I haven't. I've heard awesome things about him, but even though there's like a slew of them out there. I've heard awesome things from Scotty Young about him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's the only person I've heard awesome things about it about I, from. Honestly, I don't want to say this movie kind of fell off my radar, but I really didn't think anything about it. I didn't even know they were going to have a presence at Comic-Con until I saw a news blurb about, you know, Raimi's great... Oz the Great and Powerful, and I was like, oh, holy crap, they have a trailer for that now? And I I watched it right away, and I was like, oh, awesome, I can't wait for this. And I, for some reason, well, I, I like James Franco, and for him to play that character, I was like, yeah, yeah was like, it works. Who doesn't like James Franco? He, he's he's just, a likable guy. He's a very likable guy. Um, also, in kind of fantasy rumors, this isn't wait, news. are you delving into my fantasies? We're talking about James Franco and fantasy. Yes. Okay. Um... It takes uh, you shopping, right? No. <laughs> Pe- Peter Jackson. We hang out going- and play paintball. Just saying. Oh, that's bizarre. <laughs> I'd rather go shopping with him. With, with your shirts off, right? No. No, we go paintballing, get cleaned up, and then we go to a bar. What? That's what I would do with James Franco. I think it would be fun. Hmm. I wouldn't want to go hiking with him. I see what happens. <laughs> oh. You get caught. Boom. It was only supposed to be a couple hours of us hiking, and then it's 120 and then hours. Then you just wake up without an arm. <laughs> but I know where you're going with this, Chris, and yes. I'm excited about this. What, as well. Where are you going? Uh, Peter Jackson is kind of like a, one of those throwaway lines in an interview, uh-huh. but made mention about how they're going to be filming a lot more stuff in New Zealand for maybe an extended cut of The Hobbit or possibly a third chapter. Wait, so like to bridge The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings? We don't know. It was just like one of those, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to go film f- some more stuff, maybe for extended versions, maybe another chapter of it. it and it was just like they moved around from there. Like, <laughs> there, there was no, like, wait, are we going to get a third movie? Uh-huh. Like, it's it's possible. And this is, who knows? Uh, yeah. Just <clears throat> big... I don't know. There was a lot. We were at a party last night, and there was a lot of talk about. I hate Lord of the Rings. Oh, so stupid. And I was like, I like those movies. Yeah. I really can't wait for the Hobbit to come out. I I don't think the Hobbit needs three movies. Nope. <laughs> but if they do want to work in some more stuff, just from everything else that Tolkien's done, kind of bridging that gap, mm-hmm. I I can see them doing extended editions. Well, Tolkien but- and also Tolkien's son. Because you know they were kind of like finished posthumously. He, his uh, son Christopher has actually done a lot of yeah. stuff, kind of like pouring through his notes. But there's so much stuff that it's like, oh yeah, he had a note about this happening. No mention of when or where or uh-huh. how this is supposed to like fit into everything else. But dude left behind so much like work. And I think with Lord of the Rings and how Peter Jackson he did change up quite a bit from the books to the movies. I think he's earned the viewer's trust if he wanted to take those notes and turn it into a third movie. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those people that read The Hobbit when they were younger and, like, man, this is a lot for this book and it doesn't really need to be this long, so are they really going to stretch it out into two movies? But I'm okay with it because it's Peter Jackson stretching it out to two movies. If it was anybody else stretching it out to movies... I would have been okay with Guillermo del Toro doing it, too, though. Uh, He's he's one of those kind of directors where he loves fantasy. He gets it. If they had said Guillermo del Toro, two Hobbit movies, I'd have been like, okay. 
If it had been anyone else besides those two, I might be a little bit more leery. The Devil's Backbone yes. was long and drawn out. You that, made us watch it because you liked it. <laughs> I did like it long well, and drawn the, out. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Devil's Backbone is an, an uh, it, that's an early kind of movie. I, I mean, Chris is talking like the Pan's Labyrinth. Just that yeah. that the vision that he does have with that stuff to see his vision of a Hobbit movie. Which visuals are awesome, but he even Pan's Labyrinth is slow and plot. Here's the thing: he he works much darker, which I think would have been awesome to see in The Hobbit, which essentially was a children's story and a much brighter tale than everything that was happening in Lord of the Rings, which is so, war movies. To kind of see that, it I'd be interested because yeah, it does get very dark around the Battle of the Five Armies. Mm-hmm. You have Gandalf going off to fight the Necromancer who later to reveal that's actually Sauron. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we, we know that now. It wasn't planned out when the books were written, mm-hmm. but it's kind of one of those like, oh no, this this works. You know, it's all in his notes. Yeah. I Guillermo del Toro doing The Hobbit? It, it could be like crazy. We'll never know, but I'm more than okay because you know, Pete Jackson steps in. Yeah, because Pete Jackson is bringing that fight on screen. Yeah, finally. It's not just I'm glad that they're going to be focusing more on the Gandalf stuff when he kind of was like, hey, guys, I'll see you later, and, like, leaves. Yeah. And then, and then comes back later and was like, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah. No, like, I had a fight of my romancer. It's no it's, big deal. I just, you know. I, I'm glad we're going to be getting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of Guillermo del Toro, any thoughts on uh, aliens versus giant robots? <laughs> I honestly, I saw the stuff about that. I chose not to look into it um, just because I was like, I've got more than enough stuff here. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I just briefly looking at it, just some of the stuff. It 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 looks cool. Like it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. Like I'm I'm in for it. There was also stuff um, shown from the guy who did District Nine, Neil Blomkamp, which I was like, oh, I love District Nine. I want to check that out. And I I kind of just like I passed over. I was like, I, I can't throw uh, anything else. Yeah, and it's here. Uh, Matt Damon starring in that. Yeah. yeah, that that does sound really great too. Because I I loved him as Murdoch in A Team. <laughs> Um, so, something else kind of worth mentioning, and Paula, you kind of perked up, and I looked over at you mm-hmm. when um, John brought up Daredevil. Yep. Do you want to do you want to run away with that? Uh, no, I don't want to run away with it. But they did they have a director, and did? now they're not doing it. No, it doesn't. Uh, David Slade has stepped off the project yep. because he's doing a TV show, and he just doesn't have the time to devote to it. And if Fox does not get this movie into production they are actually going to lose the rights back to Disney just because of inactivity on it. Mm-hmm. I think they did. I, I don't remember who they threw on there, but they do have a director. They, they put on someone it. on Fantastic Four, Four. because oh, that okay. was about to revert yeah, that, back yeah, to. Yeah, because not that Daredevil. lost its director, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the guy who did Chronicle. Yes, yeah. Which also came out at Comic Con. But yeah, Daredevil was just like, oh, sorry, guys. So I, I'd love to see how they could do Daredevil. In the current batch of Marvel stuff, like I'd love to see him in that universe. I, I would love for the Marvel productions and everything to get their properties back, right? Especially Daredevil, who they, for whatever reason, twentieth century Fox went one way with it, which was kind of have him being kind of more serious than I think Disney will do. I think Disney will play up that kind of loose, free, older Matt Murdock style of like always just showing off who he is because 
and just kind of showing off and being well, a more fun character. Like we're getting in the current run with, yeah, well, uh, Mark Wade, Mark, Mark Wade. Wade, yeah. Um, but also you get and kissing the bride. You um, you had Fox who didn't want him wearing red, didn't want him wearing a mask. They like if you watch those extras on the. Uh, the the DVD from Daredevil, like they had a fight for him to have a red suit, and they didn't want the D's on it. Like, you you want a company that's going to be behind the character to put out a good movie. Mm-hmm. Well, they were at, still at the point where they didn't know these characters would do well at the box office that they could sell, and I would hope that now that since Marvel Studios <laughs> is going like. Completely like almost ape shit with their stuff. Like, no, we can throw Thanos in there. Who cares? And giant worms are going down, and people will buy it for one billion dollars worth of tickets. That maybe 20th Century Fox will wake up and be like, oh, he can wear red <laughs> and have two Ds. We and have also- these characters. We should get our shit together and do stuff, especially when it comes to Fantastic. Four. I, I, I don't want. To, I don't want to. Them you should to hire get- Hickman, right, to write the script. They're- yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want Fox getting their shit together. I want them to just continually drop the ball, so it does go back to the Marvel picture stuff. Because I want to see a good Daredevil movie as much as I enjoyed. Yes, amazing. Yeah, uh, Mark Stephen Johnson one. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I I like that movie. It's not. I thought that's where you were. No, going. I'm sorry. As much as much as I enjoyed it, I would much rather see it done much better. Like what with. We've had with Thor, with the Avengers, with Captain America. I want that kind of movie where it's like, I'm not going to pass it on TV if I see it on TBS or something. Like, I want to be like, oh shit, Daredevil's on. I need to watch this again. Would you put Amazing Spider-Man behind Thor and Captain America, or would you put it in there? I'd put it in there. Yeah, it, so it belongs in there. It's a good movie. It, it's a, it's a really. Does good it movie. matter that it was at 20th Century Fox or it is it, Columbia, or which is Columbia, the Sony, right. Sony? If it doesn't matter that it's at Sony or at Marvel Studios proper, I think. Oh, this is that's a good point. Like um, if if we get if based Fox on, gets their shit together, isn't it just as good as if it reverts? I, I can Marvel does it. Well? I can only look back at what Fox has done with right. the X Men movies with Electro. Like some of Daredevil, hey, from Fantastic Four, yeah. Fantastic Four Two, and then I'd, I'd much rather see that Columbia. I've always enjoyed the Spider-Man movies, except for three. They yeah. really stepped in there, but they stepped in the shit. In that they, one. they got in the shit. But people do love X-Men First Class, as we learned yesterday. <laughs> We're talking with some of our friends. Yeah, just uh, one. <laughs> uh, well, we don't have that many friends, so that is like. <laughs> That, that is a, a large... That's basically 25% of the people we know love it. <laughs> yeah, so that's a large population right there. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if they get their shit together, it's... I, I know then we can't have the cross-continuity, and it gets really confusing when it comes to the villains, because over in Marvel, every villain fights everybody. And that's why we have, instead of the actual scrolls, we have the ultimate version of the scrolls fighting the Avengers. You know, the, I forget what they're the called. Chitfari. Chitfari, you know. You know, because, oh, nope, Scrolls are definitely a Fantastic Four character, the villain, and therefore they're with, the rights are with Fox. So yes, part of me wants them all under one house, but part of me, more of me wants just 
put out a decent movie that I can enjoy and not feel embarrassed that I have it in my DVD rack because Christmas comes around and people are like, oh, Paul will want this. No. Yeah, it, it gets, you, you get bogged down with that because you do go and see the movie and people ask you, and like, no, it was good, I liked it. Like, I liked Fantastic Four. And my mm-hmm. big thing was is they, they got the family dynamic of the team right. Yeah. Like, okay. I, I loved Chris Evans as Johnny Storm. Like, he, he worked. I yeah. will need a recasting in the new movie, though, because yeah. I don't want him to be both Captain America and the Human I think, Torch. I, yeah, I think yeah. it's a it's a total reboot. Yeah, I would want it as a total reboot, because. but I kind of was hoping to see Galactus. You know? But it wasn't going to be Galactus anyways. It but was going to be he, more ultimate Here's the version. thing. If he goes back to Marvel Disney... We might be able to get Galactus I, after I, Avengers, after Guardians of the Galaxy, if it does well. We we might get big purple and blue space eating guy. Like <laughs> I just threw my pen, not yeah, because I'm mad. So I was gesticulating. Uh, yeah, and I, you, I think you could get in the Marvel movies. You could get Galactus, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, in Doom. Obviously, going to be the villain again. Well, I, I, yeah. you know, but I wouldn't mind them going crazy and doing like a nihilist, like with the negatives yeah. or something. And if you were going to go from the Ultimates books, you could work in a nihilist pretty well because that's how they got their powers by going to the negative zone. Um, but is that kind of it for movies? Or you got more? I, that's all I had on my list for movies. Can we get into video games? I got some video game stuff. Can I just quickly get Mass Effect out of the way? No, of because course. they had a whole well, Paul, you can never get Mass Effect out of the way quickly. No, that's you, true. You sink hours and hours and hours into it. And they had a full panel. The uh, Bioware had a full panel about Mass Effect where they kind of defended what they did and had a PowerPoint presentation about how many hours more and how much more uh, in-depth the new ending extended cut is and how they were. everybody on the team was excited to do it. And uh, which is nice, and they opened it up to questions, and people kind of were asking, well, "Well, with the multiplayer stuff, will we be able to see like maybe prequel battles of of what happened before, like the Cronin uh, Krogan Rebellion, or maybe the Arachni Wars?" Uh, if you're fans of Mass Effect, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, I'm sorry, and this will be over soon. It's okay, Paul. We understand. <laughs> And they said, well, we're going to look at that as a, the entire IP. Um, so they're probably not going to do that, and hopefully it will be open enough, enough to get more games in the Mass Effect universe without Commander Shepard. Though the most interesting thing is uh, a question was asked about the kid. Uh, why was it, What was up with the kid that you see in Mass Effect 3? Spoilers for Mass Effect 3. Uh, if you're follow it, the indoctrination video that's been going around saying that no commander shepherd is indoctrinated and that's the ending people are like what they point to that kid as the main part of that uh and the creators the writers were like no that kid is there to show the connection to commander shepherd to all those people that he can't save on earth and they don't make any mention they didn't make any mention in the uh in the panel about the indoctrination plan or the indoctrination theory which I think holds up pretty well when you watch that video. But, I, yeah, Mass I Effect, think more will come. Ma- Mass Effect is such a huge franchise for Bioware. They're not going to shelve it after this one. No. Um, they, they they're they're going to keep going on it. 
He spent so much time developing that world and like the codex when you like even play the yeah. first one and you read about yes and the Salarian culture is blah 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 and if you actually sit there and read they did a lot of backstory for this universe that they just can't all throw away. And, well, I mean, that's kind of like with um, like Halo. Like Halo Three was supposed to be the last one with um, the Master Chief, right. and then they did the one where it was like you're Beach. playing. You're playing as the other... ODST? Yeah, yes. you're yeah. playing as the other soldiers. The Orbital Drop. Orbital uh, Drop, Shock, shock troopers. troopers. Yeah. And now... He's back Halo in. 4. Like, he's well, he's back. Hey, the, the, the Bungie shoots. was only brought on to do three games. So when they were saying, like, the end of the trilogy, that was just from Bungie. Mm-hmm. Microsoft owns the Halo name. Like, yep. they can keep doing Halos as long as they want. They already did a different one with Halo Wars, which was the real-time strategy game. And Microsoft also did ODST. Uh, big, mm. what, what is there? Uh, three, three, four, one? Three, uh, three, four, five studios. Three, four, five studios. No, three, four, three, I'm sorry. Three, four, three. Okay, there it is. Yeah. I thought it was three, four, one. Yeah. I uh, three, four, three blanked. studios did ODST, I'm pretty sure. And then uh, Bungie came back to do Halo 3, and now three, four, three is doing Halo 4. So, and I don't know what studio did Halo Wars, yeah, but people were sure upset because it was a strategy game. Yeah, and, but that's the thing. That's what Halo is a franchise. Mm-hmm. They can kind of take it wherever they want. And Paul, you probably would pick up like a Mass Effect strategy game uh, if they came out with it like StarCraft style. The only time that I, well, I loved the old LucasArts Star Wars games, and the only time that I picked up Empire at War, the strategy game, is in my like best of. PC pack that came with all the other, you know, but, games. Like, so I don't know if I would pick up a strategy game anymore because I, tr- I go back and play like Red Alert, but I have to like, kind of slog through that. Mm-hmm. Like, the strategy game had its time, and it's no longer its time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, its time is over. I was just, uh, you probably pick it up, but. Steam sale, like this weekend, where there are crazy deals. Ah, Steam. But, um, uh, why Steam? Talking about Bioware kind of continuing on with Mass Effect, they would not have sank all that money into creating a new ending, uh-huh. delving more into the story, and giving it away for free if this wasn't something that they wanted people to keep up with. Yeah. If they didn't care, if they had no further plans for Mass Effect, they just would have been like, no, that's the ending. That that's what you get. Sorry. And all those multiplayer packs that have new maps and also new characters that you can unlock have been free. You know, and there's been two of those so far. So there is support and free support. So there is something to it. They, it, I, I, I do want to. Yes, your point is pretty valid about the ending. But they were even support, planning on supporting the multiplayer. And they have been supporting the mm-hmm. multiplayer even before the fan backlash. So, because yeah. they, they want you playing more Mass Effect, and they're going to make sure it happens. Oh, I will play more Mass Effect. They can't stop me. Nobody can. <laughs> nope, nobody, nobody can. Nobody can. I the the only person of, who can is Chris. I take one of his games away from him, <laughs> but I still am playing the other two. <laughs> um, game I'm probably going to be playing. I don't know if I'm 100 percent sold on this yet. But is injustice. We talked about this before, after our E3 coverage, where it's, all the gods. Yes, it's the. Or, yeah. Um, it's the fighting game from Warner Brothers and NetherRealm Studios, starring the DC superheroes and villains. Um, just announced Cyborg and Nightwing as playable characters in it. 
You're more. Uh, let me I, guess. You're more excited it's about Nightwing. Right? It's Nightwing. Um, I love doing the Nightwing challenge maps in Arkham City. Mm-hmm. I'm super pumped to play as Nightwing in a fighting game where his staff breaks into the Escrima sticks. Like that's that's cool. And you were a fan of the new Mortal Kombat. You picked it up. You I bought was. it. You, I was a fan of it. You really liked it. And it's the same engine and yeah. the same guys writing it. Or not. I don't think it's the same team writing, but maybe it is. I know that people made jokes that it was like twenty-five, a team of 25 writers writing. Yeah, that of, but it was a good game. Yeah. Like the story mode for it was enjoyable, and there was a lot of stuff to keep you going back playing it. I can yeah. no longer ask you guys if it's a game that you'll buy. I now have to ask you, is it a game that you buy and then you keep? I, I probably honestly hold off on this one just based on how I've been with fighting games recently. Right. I used to love picking up fighting games. I'd play them hours upon hours on end. Now I can't do that because I'm not given a full game anymore. Yeah. I feel like companies have been selling me games for 60 bucks, And then it's like, oh, well, if you want to get all the other characters, buy this version later. Or buy all these download packs. Like right. I, I can't do it anymore. Was the Mortal Kombat stuff like the Freddy? Was that an extra? Those were all okay. extra okay. downloads. Or you terrible. could buy the complete edition, like six, seven months later, that had all the downloadable characters and new costumes in it. Uh, it's definitely a game I'd want to play. I, I don't think I'd want to buy it, but rent it or if it had dropped in price or heard really great things mm-hmm. but it has a lot of cool stuff and I, I just got a Game Informer right before the E3 stuff and I was reading articles on on the game and like if you're Batman in the Batcave you hit a button and the Batmobile shoots missiles at your opponent if you're in Metropolis Superman will grab cars off the street and like hit you with them like there's different there's yeah. different really cool things that they're doing and they're putting a lot of time into this game and and I it is something it looks great and it is something that I do want to check out as as a, a superhero fan and a casual fighting game fan. All right, I, I am pretty much day one on this game. You guys really? buy the pizza uh, and I, and bring we'll, the beer. We'll do that again. All right, okay. that was fun playing Soul Calibur like that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So day one on this because. You know what? I love fighting games, and this is characters that I love, and I think it's finally going to be done right. I still have. I I borrowed the Mortal Kombat versus DC from Scott, and I had it for a good month, and I loved playing it. And then when it hit the nineteen ninety nine price point, I bought it again. Well, I bought it for the first time, but finally ponied up the money, and I still have it. And every once in a while, I'll pop it in. And uh, <laughs> I just remember I have Mass Effect in there, so it's not, it's not going in over Mass Effect. But you know, uh, but I have popped it in recently. I, I will have to check my gamer tag to see how recently. Probably like March. Uh, and I, so this is probably, and I loved playing the Mortal Kombat that you had more than the one that I have. Mar- Mortal so, Kombat versus DC. It, it was pretty clunky like i could not get into it and as a fan of mortal Kombat growing up and dc comics when that game came out i was like oh man i i should love this it's a dial a combo game i didn't you need to sit there and dial up the combo and then watch it play on screen and then dial a new combo and i hate doing that yeah i can never remember the combos and i can never get my fingers to move quickly to do it enough yeah to get the timing quite right yeah but i'm a casual fighter fan Mm -hmm. the guy i i for me, when I play those, I put it on easy, and yeah. you know, like, and that's that's how I play them because 
Like, you, you guys talk about fighting games, and I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And we don't even talk about the frame counting or anything the professional people do when they talk about fighting games. We've like, never mentioned hitboxes at all. Yeah. Hitboxes and frame counting. Huh? Yep. Yep. We know it. <laughs> it's there. It exists for us. It's just something that I just cannot do quite. So that's why I like Soul Calibur. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, where you can get away with mashing. And you could also get away with actually learning the moves and combos and getting the timing down right. Indeed. Indeed. Any other games? Um, Also announced at Comic-Con as a game. I'm not sure if I'd pick up. It might be one of those, like, a couple months later, if it drops down like, 24 bucks, I'd pick mm-hmm. it up. But uh, the Deadpool game. Not a lot of actual, like, gameplay footage. Yeah. Like, everything we saw was in-engine. Uh-huh. Um, crazy, over-the-top action game. Voiced by Nolan North, which I always think is worth mentioning, because he voices everything. Yep. Um, it looks like a crazy, over-the-top action shooter hack-and-slash with a sense of humor, which you need from a Deadpool game. Uh, when we say Nolan North uh, voices everything, he's Drake from Drake's Uncharted. He's yeah. uh, the guy that is Drake in not Drake's Uncharted. Well, what's Shadow Complex? What was it called? Yeah, yeah, yeah Shadow Complex. He's uh, he's done voices for pretty much any game you've played. You might mm-hmm. not be able to pick him out, but he's done like the background characters. He's yeah. done main characters. He he voices in any game basically. Yeah. If you go onto his IMDb page, Nolan North, he's it's it's a non-side. You just keep scrolling. And when we were looking at this Deadpool game, I'm like, okay, there's there's one combat like system that they're going to have to use, and I said it has to be uh, Bayonetta. It just has to be that fun, over the top, press B to kind of be awesome kind of thing to make it worthwhile to play, but also have enough past that just press B to be awesome, uh, have it kind of a little bit of twitch with the, you know, slow down modes and, you know, when you dodge something like in Bayonetta, you get that witch time or yeah. bullet time thing. And Deadpool, if that could pull off easily in Deadpool also, you know, where his mutabilities kind of kick in and then suddenly, like, you're teleporting everywhere and killing people. Like, kind of have that, like, oh, you gain up to so much combo... And then you can do even more crazy stuff. Like I think that's the only way this game will work. I think we've seen kind of what Deadpool can be in a video game with Marvel vs. Ah, Marvel versus Capcom Three. Yeah. When for one of his combos, he actually pulls his life bar down from the top of the screen and then hits the person with it. Uh-huh. Like you can have a lot of fun with Deadpool in a game because he is that fourth wall breaking character, and it it will work. And yep. it just it's going to add into that humor and game. Yeah, I, I I probably if it was the game that you described, Paul, like I probably wouldn't pick it up. Like that's not my kind of game. I would like it more like a like the Wolverine um, Origins game. Mm-hmm. Like I had a lot of fun with that. Give me that kind of game with with guns and a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be it would be what I'd want to play. And it definitely seems like it's going for the same sense of humor, though, like I said before, as Duke Nukem Forever. But for whatever reason, this seems better? Funny? <laughs> no, I don't well, know. Because with Duke Nukem, you had a game that was pretty much created 
over the span of 14 years, and then... With, over oh, the span of three or four different studios, and, and then four different teams taking those notes. Everything put together by Gearbox, and uh-huh. then put onto a disc. Yeah. Um, it It's sad of what happened to that game, but it didn't play like a game from 2011, because it wasn't, wasn't a game that was made in 2011. No. Uh, so it... It's bad, but... Deadpool, it's a little bit more self-referential. Yeah. And Duke Nukem became what it was originally kind of lampooning. Yeah. It, it, But it was still trying to be self-referential and trying to make fun of itself, but it just didn't, didn't you know, from the demo I played. And so I don't know if I'm giving a really fair judgment there. I, no, it's, you're pretty, but that's all you need to play. Yeah. But, um, I don't even think I played the demo. I just I heard know. I just heard not good and I was like no yeah. yeah don't bother with it but there's a lot of news that if we didn't cover you should bother us here at contact at com, or you could hit us up on our little Facebook post from this episode and comment there just search for on Facebook bag and board we're there. And we're also over on the YouTube. You can check out our Bag and Board Vice, where we do comic book reviews and talk about some other stuff. Uh, just search us, Bag and Board. We're on there. And we're also on the Twitter, at Bag and Board. We are on the Twitter. That is very true. And where will we be this Friday? Uh, well, Friday at midnight, I'm going to be seeing Batman. I don't know about you, you Paul. Mean, You're probably going to be in bed. Yeah, I'll probably be in bed and then maybe go see Batman after work on Friday. Oh, let us know. Saturday yeah, afternoon. Yeah, I'll probably want to see it again. Yeah, probably Saturday afternoon with Kate. Uh, I'll give working. you guys a call. Mm. Uh, Friday night, you guys can go? Maybe. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, so tune in next week for our thoughts about Batman. Because <laughs> we are kind of a Batman podcast. Yeah, I think it's, it's worth talking about. We're sorry about that. I'm well. Not. One third of the podcasts is sorry about that. <laughs>